Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by, well, I'll tell you what it's sponsored by. Last week was sponsored by a question, Raymond. Last week we told, we asked the 49er faithful, the Gold Cast Nation, we asked them, why not us? Why not us? Why not us as we go further into the season? This week, it's more of a statement. It's a statement to everybody who thinks we're not the real deal. You know what? You're right. It's like Richard Sherman said. Don't, don't, don't start counting on us now. Don't start believing in us now. You know what? Keep saying that the 49ers are not good. Keep saying we're pretenders. Keep saying that we're, 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 what did Bruce Irvin say yesterday? He goes, we're okay. We're not world beaters. Sure. We're not world beaters. Keep saying that. Keep saying that we're a fluke. This is all just, I don't know what it was. Is in your imagination? Is it not really happening? Go ahead. You, you all keep saying that. And 49er faithful, when someone comes up to you and says, you know what? The 49ers are fake. Like the Chiefs fan who came up to me who said it yesterday. Oh, 49ers, are, they're pretenders, bro. Y'all are pretenders. You know what? I was literally sitting with another 49er fan and we looked at each other and we almost did it unanimously. We like, yeah, yeah, you know what? He's right. Yeah, isn't he right? He's right. Yeah. We're fake. We're not real. So you know what? They want to keep saying that. Keep hating. Keep doubting. Keep saying this isn't real because all that does is add fuel to the fire. So that's it. That's my thing. This episode is sponsored by that. Someone wants to come up to you and tell you that the 49ers aren't real. Your response is, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Sure. We'll just keep winning games. That's no problem. We'll just keep winning games um, on our not real road, on our pretend road to the playoffs. Anyways, Raymond, before we get started, why don't you let them know? Where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com slash The Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at The underscore Goldcast. And be sure to subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of The Goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment because we certainly want to hear from you, especially given the nature of how today played out with all of the doubters still looming around absolutely raymond i want to get into this but if i start talking we're never going to get through the intro raymond where can they find you i'm on twitter at race elise and on instagram at race elise one and you can find me on instagram at rudy solis three on twitter at rudy solis three r d definitely reach out to us especially on twitter we were very very vocal yesterday over everything that happened uh before the game after the game let's get into it the greatest fanalist in the game is here. Your professor of fanalism is here. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom. Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Sousa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Boom. So, Raymond, I remember at the beginning of the season being told that the Cleveland Browns would be the first real test. And then we destroyed the Cleveland Browns. Then I remember being told, no, 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 no. The real test is going to be when we play the Los Angeles Rams. And then we destroyed the Los Angeles Rams. And then I was being told that the real test actually was going to be the Carolina Panthers. That's the real test. And then we dismantled obliterated, destroyed, ripped apart, smashed into the ground, left in the dust for absolute dead, 
the Carolina Panthers yesterday. But now I'm hearing the real test is actually going to be Seattle. That's that's the real test. I just want to let you know this real test has been postponed for the third team now, and and the real test will be in Seattle, which is fine because nobody nobody believes in us, and I'd rather no I'd rather no one believe in us on our on our way through the streak than everybody believe in us. But let's start with this. Let's start with that, Raymond. How do you do? You agree? Have you not? Have you not just heard this week after week? The next test is actually going to be this other team. That's the real test. And then when we destroy that team, the test gets moved. I, I maybe I'm not watching the same programs as you, and I'm saying that I, I believe you, obviously. But um, you know, I haven't heard this. Uh, I, I I I feel like we did hear goalposts moving between Cleveland and Carolina. But I haven't heard this later, this latest goalpost movement between Carolina and Seattle, because we obviously have another game before we even get to Seattle. We have a a, a game coming up in just a few days, so it's kind of nice to have you know the 49ers football within a few more days. But that's we'll we'll save details about that in another episode. But yeah, I haven't heard that. Oh yeah, today it's still there. Now I'll be honest, this is definitely the game that turned a lot of people's heads. A lot of a lot of the talking head shows were like, okay, I think it's time. We have to take the 49ers like really serious. Like this team is really good. We're good on both sides of the ball. This team is the defense is unstoppable. Nick Bosa. I, I don't how many weeks in a row am I gonna say it? He's the truth. I, I Raymond, I want I, we need to go back and double check, but I don't know what round we drafted Jerry Rice, but can you think, is there another player that we've drafted in the first round that has had this much impact this fast? I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Like, I can't think of any uh, uh, That's a Niner or? That's a 49er. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Not. I, I, I would say Alda Smith had 14 sacks his rookie year. That's the closest I can come to. Patrick Willis had over 200 tackles uh, in his rookie year. That's the next closest I can think of. But outside of that, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but well, actually, I take it back. Uh, Ronnie Lott had, I, I think he had. But was he, he the first a, pick he, in the he draft? He had a lot. He, I don't know if he was. I, the, the I'm first just talking second. first picks. I, well, Nick Bosa is not a first pick. He's a second pick. No, um, he was the first pick of the 49ers in the first round. That's what I mean. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, these. I mean. Uh, no, not not as far as first picks. I, I'd have to look because I don't I, I don't have the draft history in front of me. But uh, it's, I'm seeing that Alden Smith was drafted seventh overall in 2011. He did have a pretty big impact. So he's the closest. He's the closest. But I would I have to, I would say Nick Bosa's better than Alden Smith. That's that's not that's not a hot take, is it? No, um, I don't think so because I just feel like even Alden Smith was was pure speed, right? So he was more akin to D Ford. And they played in the same defensive scheme, by the way, before D Ford came to us. He was uh, played a three four over in uh Kansas City. And we played a three four under Jim Harbaugh when we drafted him. But I don't think yeah, I don't think Yeah, still I I just feel like the the, the the way that Nick Bosa uses his hands, his ability to read the play and to play against the run, because Alden Smith's one weakness was he wasn't very good against the run. He was okay. 
Um, but he was great at just pure pass rushing, especially just getting around the edge, around around blockers. And that was kind of his thing. But Nick Bosa is just, I feel like he's on another level because he was groomed so well, you know, doing all, do, basically working on pro technique with trainers throughout his collegiate career so that by the time he got to the draft and got to the NFL, much like his brother, he'd be ready to go day one. And that's exactly what San Diego has seen out of Joey Bosa, who also had a few sacks uh, yesterday. And now we're seeing it in Nick Bosa. But in my opinion, Nick Bosa looks not only more polished than Joey coming out of uh, coming into the NFL, he also didn't have a, a silly, unnecessary holdout, which is really a thing of the past with rookies these days because no longer do rookies. Now it's all set based on your draft position. You have set brackets of, of of contracts that are given to rookies based on position and based on your your play player position and your draft position and but nick but going back to nick Boca, I, bosa i just feel like his hand technique and everything is it's on another level and perhaps that's because he's the youngest uh, or the younger of the of the brothers and so he kind of got to see he kind of got to you know you get to see it it's a different perspective versus Joey who didn't you know perhaps he wouldn't I don't know if he was working with other relatives but you know when you have a brother and you're hanging out with that brother and you have such a strong influence and you spend a lot of intimate time together including training I think it gives him a slight bit of edge coming into or at least that's the way it appears now is that now he has this edge in terms of polish where he looks like where Joey Bosa is today is where Nick Bosa you know, is where Nick Bosa is now in year one. Okay, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about first round draft picks, Nick Bosa, and then we're. This is so much fun. I, you know, I love this kind of thing. Two thousand seven, Patrick Willis was named the AP Defensive Rookie of the Year. Okay, so which is most likely what Nick Bosa is going to get this year. Uh, but let, I've just got literally. I'm literally looking at a list of San Francisco's Forty ers first round draft picks. Y A. Tittle, uh, huge, obviously. Uh, John Brody, you know, huge. That 1957, you know, one of the most storied quarterbacks uh, we have. Final game was played at Kizar. He was carried off the field, you know, in this comeback win that he he delivered as his final game, and they carried him off the field in Kizar, and that's how Brody retired. Um, a you know, the, I, I kind of consider the modern era for the 49ers to start with the signing of Bill Walsh, uh, um, Eddie DeBartolo taking over the team. But this, you know, this is like predates the modern era. These are all, you know, Y.A. Tittle and John Brody are, are pretty pretty huge names in that era. Ronnie Lott is the eighth pick of the draft in 81. Jerry Rice, 16th pick of the draft. I mean, obviously, I, right. I'm just, but I'm talking. Uh, well, that's what, he's well, offense. These guys, I mean, Ronnie Lott was defense, and, and he, did, he did go to the Pro Bowl his first year, and he had seven picks that year. Three of them returned for touchdowns. But he was overshadowed by Lawrence Taylor, who um, – also was a rookie that year and i think also i think he lawrence taylor won defensive player of the year in his rookie year and a pro bowl yeah so that's so that's the question right is that the obviously jerry rice's career he is arguably the greatest physical specimen athlete we've ever had the closest thing to a michael jordan at any you know in in the sport of football jerry rice might be the greatest athlete we've ever had in the sport just overall at his position, but but he didn't start that way. Uh, Ronnie Lott had a big year, obviously. You know, Patrick Willis, same thing. I'm looking to see. I'm looking. I'm going. I'm looking through. 
our 80s picks. You know, I, Ronnie Lott and Jerry Rice are the only ones that really stand out to me. And then if you're going towards the 90s, I mean, you've got some some great players Brian here. Young had a good had a good rookie. Year. Yeah, I Dana Stubblefield. I liked Dana Hall, uh, J.J. Stokes, William Floyd. You know, these are all great players. But I mean, let's talk about. We're just talking immediate impact. Patrick Willis, Joe Staley, both in 2007. Um, huge pickups, but again, we're we're just talking about in their first year the kind of level they picked up. Oh, 2014, they call him Mr. Glass, Mr. Jimmy Ward. <laughs> <laughs> Our boy in 2014, but not his first year. <laughs> he got an, he got an, he got an, uh, actually a very positive reception when they were announcing players and they were coming out of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, but Nick Bosa's just immediate impact this year is crazy. Uh this might be this might be a question we're going to have to we're going to have to pose with our boy uh our boy Candlestick Will. Who is the greatest first round draft pick the 49ers have ever had? You know, that is the question that that is a Candlestick Will episode dying to happen. <laughs> Just that's you know, we're yeah. going to table that. We're going to let him know. That's what that's going to be our next fun game. We'll have a, we'll have him put a vote on Twitter. Yeah, what everyone thinks. But anyways, all right, let's let's get to this though. Let's get to the game. Let's get to the fun stuff. Nick Bosa was incredible. Tevin Coleman, I said this at the beginning of the season for both fantasy and real life. I thought Tevin Coleman was going to ball. Then he got hurt. He was out. Then he came back. And guess what? Now he's balling. He is ball. He is so fast. He's so elusive. But but then he's got a whole, we've got a whole running back by committee back there that so many of the other guys are equally as talented. It's crazy. It, the depth the depth that this team has now is insane. This entire game, as far as just the breakdown of it, 51 to 13. I mean, the only teams that do that are pretenders. No real team can put up 51 points. Only pretenders put up 51 yeah, points. Yeah, that's, that's, that only happens in uh, Madden football. Yeah, exactly. This isn't real. This isn't real. Uh, Carolina scores three points in the first quarter, 10 points in the third, and never scores in the second and fourth. The 49ers go 14 in the first, 13 in the second, 14 in the third, 10 in the fourth. Double digits for yeah, four quarter. straight <laughs> quarters. We've got, I mean, just go down the list. Uh, 24 first downs, tw- 12 passing first downs, 10 rushing first downs. Uh, very even. Very, very, very even. balanced for the most third, part. Third down efficiency, 5 of 10, 50%. That's fantastic numbers. The Did you know we have equal amount of plays? 63 plays. And look at the difference. 51 points come out of us. 13 points for them. Total yards, 388. Total drives was 15. Yards per play were averaging 6.2 in this game. 156 passing yards. You know what I was realizing? I was realizing this. Oh, let me go through the stats a couple more, though. Rushing, 232 yards. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. The level... The level of what these guys are doing is insane. We had the ball for only six minutes longer, but managed to squeeze out 51 squeeze out 51 points. They managed to eke out 13. This team, on, on all sides of the ball, the defense is insane. And I'm going to let you really break it down the way you break it down as the greatest fanless in the game. The defense is insane. The offense is so efficient. It's getting better and better all the time. Here's what I think is really interesting about Jimmy G. I haven't really heard many 
I haven't heard a lot of criticism about him. There's been, there's people are saying a lot of question marks to which I heard other people saying on the talking head shows today, like question marks, the guy, the guy went undefeated in his second, his first season with the 49ers undefeated in his third now. Like what, what, what questions do you have? Like the guy is fantastic. I, I will say something that I haven't heard before. I haven't heard anyone say this is a rude take. I'm, these are not takes, they're rude takes. So my rude take on all this is that what's really interesting about Jimmy G right now is Jimmy G's base level, his base level entry coming off of an injury that takes a year to heal from, but two years to really get away from, you know, a torn ACL. It, you know, there are some variations. We've seen freak athletes do it at different times, but in general, it's, it's one year that you're back after a year. And it still takes about a full another year before you're really, you've really walked away from that injury completely. So Jimmy G is in the middle of that. His baseline at this level, like the minimum he can deliver, is something that is, it, it, it's, it's, I would say it's a, it's a game manager that's ten times better. Like I mean, not five, 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 five times better than Alex Smith. Like that's his, that's the minimum he can give you. Do you see what I'm saying? Like the minimum he can give you is something that's about five or six times higher than what Alex Smith's best was in, in 2011, for instance, or 2012. Like that's Jimmy G's minimum is still five times higher than him. And we, we, we have not unleashed Jimmy G yet. We, I, I really, I've said this before. I really think the first half of the LA, uh, against the LA Rams we really took Jimmy G out for a spin. When you saw all the passing that was going on in that first half, we were just taking Jimmy G out for a spin. I think we would have taken Jimmy G out for a spin last week had it not been so rainy. And so the 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 it's just the level of efficiency. Jimmy G is so efficient. He is so efficient. He, especially on third down. Especially on third down. His third down conversion rate is crazy. It's so impressive. Like I just know when we get to third down, I know Jimmy G is going to make it happen. His confidence and poise in the pocket, it's still weird for me to see. My, my brain, I get I just get flashbacks of our previous quarterbacks, and I keep expecting him to kind of like hightail it out of there. Um, he still gives you that one shitty interception every game. You know, we, we know we're going to get that from Jimmy G, but like that's it. That's, that's, that's the knock on him. You know, his numbers don't fly off the board. They don't have to. They don't have to right now. But the guy is good. The guy's base level. Like I said, it's about five and a half times better than you're a, a solid game manager. That is his, his his base level. His base level is a game manager on steroids, and that and that's that's just where we're starting in year two because we didn't really get him year in his in his first second year. This is his real second year, and this is his first full season as a starter. The dude's never started before, and just look at the level of efficiency: eighteen of twenty-two, averaging six point two yards per pass. You know, 156 yards passing, no issues. I've got no issues with any of this. This is, he is playing fantastic football. He's not getting enough credit. And I just wanted to just break it down. Jimmy G is very efficient. He is, and he is very accurate. And literally the base level, what this guy can do is about five times better than what any of our quarterbacks have been able to do in the last 10 years. But I digress. I've talked enough. I want to turn it back to you. You were at the game. You were actually in the presence of this game. You got me a George Kittle bobblehead. Tell me about your experience there at the game. Uh, the energy was insane. 
the crowd showed up and from all walks of life and there was an amazing i would say you know the crowd noise was just so intense and everyone was so into it and it also helped that we scored 51 points but i mean from the very beginning the crowd was just super super into it and i couldn't have been it couldn't have been a more exhilarating contest to watch because you know it was still a close game up until about late in the second quarter when Tevin Coleman really started to go off that you're like, Oh man, this game looks like it's out of hand. I don't know if Carolina's going to, you know, I don't feel confident with other teams ability to, to really, you know, make the, make this the, the level of second half adjustments that we make to teams. It's just not there. At least not Ron. When I look at Ron Rivera, I think old school coach, you know, I think, you know, him against Kyle Shanahan, this is, this is no match. You know, he plays an old school style of coaching and I just don't think it's, it's no match for, it's no match for what, what, there's just nothing you could do. You know, it's just like, it's, it's like, you're going to get out schemed. The play design, your defense is not prepared for it. doesn't matter what you do. You guys are just outgunned, outmatched, out everything. And that's exactly what we saw. I didn't think it was going to be a blowout. You know, my prediction of the game, you thought they were going to lose. I, I was actually I afraid. I think every every week I think they're going to lose. <laughs> every week I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. It's I, true. <laughs> and I, I thought, uh, gosh, you know, I thought like this – I thought this game would be super close. I was like, this is going to be a close game. One possession, you know, maybe two possessions, but like two possessions, meaning like uh, a touchdown and a field goal type of two possession. Not, not anything, not anything, you know, like two, like two, 14 points wise. But once it got to 27 to three at half, I was like, Ooh man. And then with second half, we come out, they get the ball, you know, they don't do anything with it. And, we start going off again. I'm just like, ooh. I was like, this game is over. This game is so over. I, I lost my voice. It, it just, uh, you know, I was yelling so much. I was slapping five with everybody. We were all celebrating. And, I mean, and Christian McCaffrey, even though Christian McCaffrey got his numbers, it was garbage time by the time Christian McCaffrey had the 40-yard uh, touchdown. It was garbage time. He had been, he had been neutralized the entire game. Because the screen game comes out of him, he was neutralized on that front. He only had he had five targets for four yards, thirty-eight yards, nine and a half yards per average. He had twenty-four yards, I think, and was his longest of the day. But five for four for thirty-eight yards—that is not a Christian McCaffrey-like receiving day. Uh, on on paper, it looks like rushing day. You had a typical day. He had fourteen attempts, one hundred seventeen yards, eight point four average, which is terrific. The forty-yard run towards the end, but. When you really break it down quarter by quarter, Christian McCaffrey struggled, and he got a garbage time play at the end of the game that obviously will be looked at by the coaching staff to because they don't like Niners don't even like giving up garbage chunk plays like that at the end. John Ross had it in Cincinnati. The Niners clearly were not pleased about that, and they they went out of their way to to point that out. Same thing applies here, so I know that that's going to be looked at. But again, look at they. I know they ran Joe Scarlett. I think that's his name, but he had four rushing attempts for nine yards, 2.3 average. His longest was six. Then they ran um, Bonafron. He had one 
one rushing attempt for four yards. And other than that, it was it's always the Christian, Christian McCaffrey show. You have one horse that you have to focus on on defense. That is a lot easier than what Carolina, whose big defensive weakness was the rush, had to deal with on Sunday. And naturally, the 49ers took their weakness and exposed the living shit out of it. Let's look at the list of committee of running backs that we threw at at Carolina all day. It obviously starts and ended with Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, Matt Breida, Debo Samuel, Jeff Wilson, all everyone chimed in, and Debo Samuel is is a receiver for Christ's sake, and he had a twenty yard touchdown run by the way. Matt Breida was you know kind of had a more quiet day, you know I know he had the ankle thing later in the game, and that kind of you know slowed down all the the touches. I think he was pulled out after that. Raheem Mostert had a terrific day, nine attempts for sixty yards, a six point seven average. He had the forty one yard touchdown towards the end of the game to just put the fifty burger up there, and Tevin Coleman had three touchdowns on the ground 105 yards for 11 11 attempts with a huge 48 yard touchdown right before the half and in the air he had he only was targeted I'm sorry what he was targeted twice and he caught both balls and one was the the 10 yard screen pass touchdown you know this is just it was just destruction they they dissected them in the secondary they dissected them on the ground. There was nothing they could do. And Eric Reed, you know, Eric Reed, you know, for in a, in a more articulate manner, pretty much talked shit, saying that he didn't agree with the decisions that Lynch and him had made. You know, he didn't agree with them starting, you know, not starting Bowman, even though he led the league in tackles the previous year. And we know how that ended up too, by the way. By the way, he injured, he got injured again and was out for the year. So you know, you know, good, good insight there, Mr. Eric Reed. Eric Reed didn't like being moved from safety to linebacker because he, Eric Reed, had the size and speed and versatility to play the position. He didn't like it, but he did it. Although I don't think he was very good in that position. Although Kyle Shanahan says he was good, maybe he's just being nice. But either way, he said, "I don't forget." I was like, "Okay, don't forget what that the coaches had to make, you know, some calculated decisions to give this team the best chance to win while they're rebuilding." And you don't agree with that, and you don't forget. You don't, you don't call it a quote revenge game. You just say you don't forget. Yeah, okay. Uh, a, a lot, a lot good that did you. You you got embarrassed. He got yeah, his ass well, that, that was to quite him. a. I hope you remember this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you you gonna remember this one? Because uh, I'm hard hard to forget this one. I mean, he, he had he had one sack. I'll give him that. He had one sack and three TFL. So I mean, on paper, he had a good day. He had seven tackles. But other than that, the that. That number line, that stat line doesn't amount to anything when the score at the end of the game is 51 to 13, is my point. Yeah. Well, Luke Keekley had the one interception early on in the game and he led the team in tackles. I mean, he's, he's good. He's not, he's not his former self, but he's still, he's still pretty good. Kyle Allen had not thrown an interception all, since in the four starts that he's had, and he threw three today. One to, one to, one, one amazing one to Nick Bosa, who had himself another field day. He had another one to, Emmanuel Mosley, the the corner who's been filling in beautifully for our injured Akella Witherspoon, and Richard Sherman got a th- another pick, his third of the year. And you know they the I think the entire secondary, Richard Sherman, Mosley, Jimmy Ward, Jawaski Tart, all had a pass deflection today. They were just chipping away at him all over the place. DJ Jones had a sack in a TFL. Nick Bosa had three sacks, three TFLs. He has seven sacks on the year, now leads the team in sacks. Eric Armstead had two sacks and two TFLs. Ronald Blair had a sack and two TFLs. This was just, I mean, the, the pressure was insane. 
seven sacks on the day, three picks on the day. You know, uh, two, four, six, seven, eight, nine TFLs on the day. Ten, actually ten TFLs if you include Emmanuel Mosley's stuff too. Ten TFLs. You're not going to have a very successful running game if you're having ten TFLs on the day. Carolina could just not get going no matter what. And part of the problem is they're, they're similar to the Rams where if you eliminate their best weapon, which is Todd Gurley, because Kyle Allen's success is predicated on Christian McCaffrey's success the same way that Jared Goff's success is predicated on Todd Gurley's success in the game. So if you eliminate one, it becomes a domino effect. You eliminate one, it becomes very hard for that second piece to really establish a rhythm and, and, get, and put points on the board. So that's exactly what we saw today defensively. Kyle Allen was flustered. He looked like he was seeing ghosts out there, similar to Sam Darnold. Uh, the previous game, the previous New England game, and he just struggled mightily. He did not sound confident in the press conference when he said that when he was talking about our our effectiveness as a defense and our our ability to get at the rusher. And he said, "Oh, but you know, looking forward to the challenge." When Jimmy G says it, you know, Jimmy G is just kind of being diplomatic. He's he's just making the the, the PR answer. But there, I don't ever get the sense that he feels doesn't feel confident about his chances. He's just kind of being respectful towards the other team and recognizing the fact that it's another opportunity to grow and flourish as a player. Well, that's Whereas how Kyle, Joe was. That's how Tom yeah, Brady exactly. is. And that's how most quarterbacks are, to be honest. But there was a, a degree of, of in his tone and inflection that gave me the impression that he did not feel completely confident going into this game. And sure enough, he that was a justified feeling because it sure showed on game day. Because he just could not get anything done. He, he could not get anything done. And we scored double digits in every quarter. So this was just, I thought this game was going to be like 24-17. I did not think it was going to be 51-13. Once again, and some of our our fans also predicted blowouts. I don't think anybody predicted a 51-point blowout. I'm going to have to go back and look at the comments on that video. But I know some people did expect a big blowout. So perhaps our fans are, you know, giving... You know, maybe when I when I think that they're perhaps overestimating our chances against opponent, uh, you know, a, a, a more competent opponent, you know, clearly I am underestimating our ability against more competent opponents, winning teams, teams that are going to be in the playoffs. Obviously, we're going to have a really tough stretch from here on out, with the exception of Arizona. But if people really want to test the barometer, let's test the barometer. Let's put it to the, the maximum test of, of opponents from here on out, except for two games, except for two remaining games. We have seven games coming up that are all going to be very, very difficult. All with and, playoff level teams. Yes, all with them. We, we just played a, t- a team that's going to be vying for a playoff position later in the year. It, it certainly looks like that's where they were going before they ran into the, the brick wall that was the 49ers gold rush. So, you know, to me, it was amazing being there live, and it was awesome to see them get destroyed the way that they did. And this just, you know, as a 49er fan, I think you got to feel extremely happy, extremely confident. And, yeah, you should you should have that, that confidence of thinking we're going to blow everyone out when we do this to – when now, not only did we do it to a Cleveland Browns team that everyone thought, you know, was really kind of a poised on paper to really do something special this year, but – now we're doing it to the bona fide winning teams too, and they're coming in here with a four-game win streak, and now they're four and three, going. You know, I don't know where they go next. Who cares? 
So let me ask you a question. Let, let's unpack this. Let's unpack this. We've, like I said, this isn't the this isn't our Friday preview. By the way, our Friday preview show, just so you guys know, will be obviously dropping earlier in the week. It will not be dropping on Friday because the game will have passed. So, really quick though, who's going to lose first, the 49ers or the Patriots? Now, let's let's just look across the landscape here. I'm going to go with the Patriots first. Next week they have the Ravens, very competent team, very good team, could easily deliver their first loss. The Eagles, who I thought were a shoe-in for something like that, but now they're just so up and down, a lot of injuries. It's I really have a hard time being confident. After that goes Cowboys at the Texans, home for the Chiefs at the Bengals, home for the Bills, home for the Dolphins. What do you think? They're in Baltimore. They're in Philly at those first two games. Well, they've already they they've already beaten they've already beaten Buffalo once, who's in their division. And the problem is that Buffalo doesn't have enough firepower on offense to balance out their effectiveness on defense. Mm-hmm. And that's really what separates them from New England. Even though the last time they played and, and, and lost against New England, it was still a close game. They just didn't have enough. And it was you know one possession game, a very tight game. But it just didn't work. And, but, so to me, it's hard. I think, I think Baltimore has a chance just because... It's Lamar Jackson's running is there is some of it that runs through the RPO, you know, granted. However, a lot of it is very off script and he's been very successful. And the, the, this is the Baltimore is the number one rushing team in the NFL because a Mark Ingram has had a very good season and B Lamar Jackson's been rushing just as effective as any you know top tier running back in the NFL, but what gives him an edge is he's also the quarterback. So and he he's running off script, meaning that if if the coverage is there, then he's going to take off and run. And by the time he does he does that, secondary is already already downfield. So he has a lot of room space to to work with, and he has you know more than enough agility and elusiveness to dodge the pass rushers who also have to get by their blockers before they have an opportunity to get at Lamar Jackson. So I think if 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 he's able to run successfully to keep drives going for Baltimore, then they have a legitimate shot at beating New England because I think that historically New England has struggled against quarterbacks of, of this type. And so if, if they're able to to establish their the strength of their of themselves, which is the run, then you know they've got a shot. But if they try to if they try to sit if they contain Lamar Jackson and force him to throw, I think it's going to be a long day, and and I'm not, I'm not sure. Either way, I still think New England has the edge in that game, and they I think they should be considered the favorites. So it, it, the problem is you need to if you're able to t- touch Brady, who's not had all that great of a year, who's largely dependent on his defense to really get them going, then you know I think you have a shot because. This this is a year where Brady looks very much starting to his age is starting to show, uh, in terms of his you know and he's always been a very immobile quarterback but in terms of even how he's moving even less now and his ball quickness seems to be seems to be slowed down a little bit just a little bit not like anything to you know he's not falling off a mountain so to speak you know he's still very a very proficient thrower but you know the speed is going to start to dwindle on on him and i think we're starting to see that decline 
this year more than any other year that I can recall. But it's hard for me. So I, I think, what were the other games that you mentioned? I think Baltimore's got a legitimate shot. Buffalo, again, has another shot. You know, they've, they've seen him once already. It's a division game, so it's going to be a tight game. So that, you've got, that, here's what you got. You have, here, here's, here's their murders row, their version of what we have coming up. Ravens, Eagles, Cowboys, Texans, Chiefs. That's a pretty, that's a pretty stacked little, little run. It is. There. It's not as tough as ours. Not I as think. tough as ours, but that's also, you know, because you've got Dallas, three AFC teams Dallas and the AFC is just hot garbage. The AFC sucks. It always sucks. It historically has always sucked. It will always suck till the end of time. Eagles are probably too banged up to, to really give them a fight. I think it, it'd probably be a fight for maybe a quarter and a half, two quarters. Dallas has enough firepower to, to win that game. I just don't know if they will. And let's see. Texans, who else are, did you Texans are a little up and I'd down, Houston, but they're good. Deshaun Watson's good. But Houston, Houston can Houston can shoot out New England. So so you know the they they put up more points than New England does. Their their passing's better than New England, so they got a shot. They do have a shot. And then of course, Patrick Mahomes should be back. He'll be back by then, you know. And and we'll have to see where case Kansas City's still a threat. You know if they're. Their, their defense has really come alive the last two weeks. Boy, has it looked much, much better than before. They're finally applying a lot of pressure to the quarterback. They're making it real tough on quarterbacks now. Yeah, they're starting to get their sacks in. Despite their injuries, two weeks in a row, that defense has played really strong. Right, yeah. So, I, I don't know. To me, it's, it's between Dallas, Buffalo, and Baltimore. I don't really trust any other team on that list. Okay, maybe KC. Our murderers row obviously goes. We have the Cardinals this week, and then it goes Seahawks, Cardinals. Again, three division games in a row is tough. I don't care how good you are. That's tough. Playing a team twice in three weeks is not easy for either team. Then our murderers row begins. After Seattle, after Arizona, you go Green Bay, Baltimore, New Orleans. That little three-game stretch is going to be tough. Green Bay, Baltimore, New Orleans. Then we get the Falcons, and then we get some Rams, and then and then uh, Seattle. This whole second half of the season is going to be very tough. Who loses first, Ray? Is it the 49ers or the Patriots? Or do they both go undefeated 16-0 and into the playoffs only to be dumped out first round because that's too many games in a row to win? I think Baltimore loses first. Wait, wait, no, wait, wait. I mean, I'm We're sorry. Not... I mean, I think New England loses before we do. Do these teams both end the season with at least one loss? I think there's a chance we go undefeated, to be honest. Oh, my God. If we went undefeated, I'd have a heart attack. I would have a heart attack. The, t- the first team ever to win more than 14 games in a single season, which is the most that any other team had ever done, which was the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins were the first team to go, the only team to go undefeated and win a Super Bowl. The first team ever to win more than 14 games was the 1984-15-1 San Francisco 49ers that went on to defeat a very young Dan Marino in the Super Bowl, his one and only appearance. He was so, so shell-shocked. He never returned again. I'm just kidding on that second part. I just made that part up. But the that was the first team. That that team went 15-1, 1984. I always get the year. You know, it's always kind of wonky with the years. But the the, the year that we won our, our second Super Bowl. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. 
I'm not going to look it up. I'm not going to fact check that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to stick with that. Undefeated, Ray. Oh, you give me a heart attack when you say that. I get a heart palpitation just thinking about undefeated season. Either way, though, very impressive win. I'm really glad you were there. It was so much fun to watch. I was screaming so loud the entire the entire night. I was screaming so loud and just same. I, I was here in LA and I almost lost my voice just screaming. I wanted so ba- so badly to be home and with you guys at that game. But you all got me a George Kittle bobblehead. I'm very happy. Can I also say, let's since we're talking a little bit about history, the the um, the white the white uniforms are fire. Yeah, they were awesome. They're so good. And you know that is actually a play off of our old fifties uniforms. Um, the, the our old fifties uniforms, and I believe we had a silver helmet back then, which that doesn't make any sense. Forty ers gold. I don't really get that. But you know, we had a silver helmet before, right? At one time. No, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the um, if you look historically at our uniforms, we had a we had a we've had a we, we had a the, the that. That uniform is a throwback to the '90s, which is was actually a throwback to the '50s. That was the '50s um, uniform. So, pretty dope, pretty pretty great win. I am. I mean, I don't know what else we could say. I was super hyped. I cannot believe how we did. Destruction, destruction. After today's game. We moved into first position as the number one defense. Number one total defense in the NFL is San Francisco. Number two is New England. We are first in total yard, yards allowed per game. We are the, we have the best passing defense in the NFL. We have the 11th ranked rushing defense in the NFL. And even though we've allowed a hundred yard rushes the last three games straight, it's it's the ability to stop it. It's kind of right now. It's kind of it's like we bend. Uh, we bend. It's we bend seldomly. But for the most part, it's a pretty stout rushing defense when you really look look at it, especially how it plays out in the game. There Again, Christian McCaffrey had a garbage time 40-yard touchdown. Before those 40 yards, he was well below 100 yards. He was not having a good day, not even a good fantasy day until that big play. So, you know, when I look at it, it's even though it says we're ranked 11th, this is more or less a top five rushing defense is, is how, is how it really operates with a few chunk plays that just mess with the, you know, the mathematical calculate, you know, algorithm of, of how, how, of how teams are arranged at the end of the day. But other than that, this is a top, top five rushing defense and points wise, we're number two in the NFL. We have allowed 11 points on the day. I think new England is number one or Buffalo. One of the, one of those two teams, I forget which one, but either way, you know, it, this is the best defense in the NFL. Not only do I believe that to be the case personally, but now this is reflected in the actual rankings themselves. And offensively, we're, we're definitely a top three. You know, we, we put the third most points on the board. We're the second best rushing attack. We're six in total yards. We're 24th in the pass, but the passing is very, very efficient for what it does. I love it. I love it. It This is a very exciting time. We are going to have a discussion with Candlestick Will. Who had the greatest f- rookie season 
year. But sound off in the comments. What do you guys think? Who Who's had the best? Does, is Nick Bosa having the best rookie season of any first-round draft pick a 49er has drafted? That's the question, right? That's the real question. Is Nick Bosa having Grant, the best he hasn't season? played a full season yet either. No, he hasn't, and which is saying that's— He has nine more games. That's also— a testament to how crazy he's been already how insane he's been do you, what do you what do you guys think sound off in the comments who do you think has had it uh let us know what you think and we will be back we're either that episode is going to drop either wednesday day wednesday morning or thursday morning we've got to figure it out it'll um it just kind of comes down to raymond and i's schedules and uh schedules permitting our preview of the game of the of our upcoming game against Arizona will drop Wednesday morning so you get a full day to listen to it and then we'll come back with reactions after that but Raymond what a time to be a 49ers fan last thing I was going to say this team's better than Harbaugh's teams would you agree with that as far as offense and I think the defenses, defenses are pretty are, close. I think the defenses, I think the defenses, the defenses are pretty comparable. I think defensively, their best year was 2011 because they had the element of surprise. Where this this year we've had, we've actually gone to a new scheme this year as opposed to what we were running the previous two years, and that's because we just have the defensive defensive line personnel to run. This seems like a better fit, and obviously appears to be working out very well so so the element of surprise is here for the defense but the offense that's been the offense last two years i think it has has grown and evolved since the first year i think the offense is where really obviously the difference when, is. yeah and w- when jimmy g took over in 2017 and had the five game win streak that was a dumbed down version of what we're seeing today and we passed a lot more than we ran because our running attack was not as potent as it is now and we also, Jimmy's was still acclimating to the offense, which is on, you know, definitely one of the more complicated playbooks in the NFL. And the, the terminology is, is very different from a lot of other teams. And there's so much nuance to that pre-snap motion and who gets the ball. You know, it's, it's, you don't know who's get. I didn't expect Debo Samuel to get that handoff. I didn't expect, you know, the, we have a four headed monster in running backs. We have a whole stable of running backs could all, that could all pretty much be our starters. They could be starters on other teams. That's how good they are. And we're throwing them all. And it's just, it's just so that's why our, our, that's why we're the number one ranked rushing offense in the NFL. It's so difficult to try and block. You don't know. Kittle had a run, had a handoff last week. Debo Samuel had a handoff this week. Then you have all of our four running backs that were given the ball this week. And all of them had, most of them had had big plays that led to touchdowns. So it's it just makes it very difficult. And I think you know this this to me, compared to Harbaugh, I think the offense is by far and away leagues beyond anything that Greg Roman could come up with. Agreed. And defen- defensively, I think they're pretty comparable. The only thing that's different, you know, is is those teams got to NFC Championship games. We have yet to see how far this team can go. Obviously, that's the difference. The, the trajectory is very positive and there's a lot to there's a lot of validity to think that we can go far you know but we'll have to wait and see we'll have to wait and see what an exciting time to be a 49ers fan also by the way i just wanted to note this out the that uniform you know this this is this is when your professor fanalism comes in and starts dropping that professor fanalism stuff the that actually that black trim that they had that's that was a throwback to the 1994 uniform is based off of specifically 
1955 uniform. The 1955 San Francisco 49ers uniform was the one that introduced the black trim along the number, and they used to wear silver uh, silver helmets and then sometimes red helmets too. Really weird. They, they, the colors were so weird in like the first the first uh, like 18 years of that team being of our team being in existence. It was really weird. <laughs> like they were all over the place. Uh, it's just weird that they're called the 49ers based on the gold rush and no one thought to put in gold until I think like the 60s. It was like it was like the mid 60s is when they put in the gold, but before that it was silver, red and white or <laughs> the colors of the 49ers, so strange. But anyways, yeah, that the, so that that's just a little bit of history on 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 that uniform and it looked so good yesterday on TV, man. Oh boy, you should have seen it on TV that red against the the red with the black trim with the white background on the uniform. It was popping, and it popped even better with fifty one points, baby. Yeah, it did. They looked great. They did, man. This is really exciting. I thought it was going to be red, but they wore the the white the white versions. Mm-hmm. It looked dope. This is really exciting, and I want to say, you know what? We don't say this enough. And I want to say thank you to the Goldcast, Goldcast Nation. Man, you guys have sat. There are thousands of you that subscribe to this, which is insane. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us. You guys have sat here through through some through the end of the Harbaugh era, through Jim Tomsula, Chip Kelly, through the growing uh, embryonic years of Kyle Shanahan, and we're finally seeing something start to form, and it's just the beginning. I mean, I, I'm, I really hope Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan can be, uh, this tandem can be here for the next 10 years, and, and we have many more great seasons to look forward to, but this looks like it's the start of something special. And just thank you to the Goldcast Nation. You guys have stuck by us, stuck with us as we've grown, and all we're doing, all we've ever done in the last several years is get bigger and better and bigger and better. And I think the best years for the Goldcast as a podcast are only ahead of us. We it's It's been an exciting time. And thank you, Goldcast Nation. Thank you for all you guys who reach out to us on YouTube, reach out to us on Twitter, reach out to us on Instagram, and have these football conversations with us. You know, you guys, you guys often will spark ideas and get us talking about things, which end up in the shows. And we definitely, I think, we owe we owe the Goldcast Nation a huge mailbag, Raymond. Very soon, we need to go through and and drop all the comments that we've had a lot of great comments through this season and. We owe you guys a good mailbag. So let's make sure that we do a mailbag coming up, Ray. What do you say? Yes, for sure. Let's do that. And certainly let's take a look at some of the comments uh, that we've gotten the last couple of weeks and see who earns a shout out on the next episode. Hell yeah. So which will, which will most likely be our preview episode. Yeah. yeah. So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis the first, baby. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same gold cast time, same gold cast channel. Let's go! This is, is the gold cast.